Hello and welcome to The Long Short, a new podcast brought to you by AMA, the Alternative Investment Management Association, focusing on the very latest insights on hedge funds and private credit. My name is Drew Nicholl. AMA is the global representative for the alternative investment industry, with around 2,000 corporate members spread across 60 countries. Of these, our fund manager members account for approximately $2.5 trillion in hedge fund and private credit assets. Each weekly episode of The Long Short will examine topical layers of interest from across the alternative investment universe with news, views and analysis delivered by AIMA's global team, as well as a host of industry experts. So whether you are a hedge fund or private credit industry veteran, a student of the industry, or just someone interested in learning more about hedge funds and private credit, this podcast will be your ideal companion to help navigate you through the long and short of this fascinating industry. Welcome to another episode of The Long Short. I am back in London after a very successful week in Singapore for AIMA's annual forum. And I'm really looking forward to today's episode because we're focusing on a topic that's come up a few times in other episodes. But today we have an expert who can offer us a much greater deep dive on this very interesting trend. And that expert is Nilesh Sidrania, CEO and founder of Sidrania Fund Services, who is joining us today to help explain how the alternative investment industry is embracing technological solutions that are offered by service providers to significantly improve functions across the business. So we've heard repeatedly regarding the move to the cloud and the rise of a more sophisticated service provider and ecosystem around hedge funds and investors, making processes more efficient and cheaper and providing new opportunities for fund managers and investors to work together. And this trend is understood to have accelerated thanks to the decentralised working caused by COVID and ultimately the shift in the direction of travel for the industry towards one that seeks efficiencies in the back office process with the same energy that its front office seeks alpha. And so to discuss all of this is Nilesh. And welcome to the long short, Nilesh. Yes, thank you. Um, I'm glad to be here for this podcast. Uh, so, Nilesh, Sidrania Fund Services, you describe yourself as a multi-asset capable fund administrator and global leader in revolutionizing the back office for digital assets through specialized cloud-based technology and automation. So, there are listeners out there who would not be from, a, from you know, the technology side of things, so to speak. So, could you explain what all of this means, what this solution set that you describe means? Definitely. So, uh, and I'll break it down in parts so it's easier to understand and connect the dots. Uh, What used to be um, a liability, I should say, uh, talking about cloud technology, just six years ago when we started, um, the the whole premise at that time was, let's create a cloud-based solution. That is the future. And we uh, hit a lot of roadblocks because the industry just wasn't prepared. Uh, Everyone thought cloud is uh, unsecure, dangerous, and it should not be or it cannot be used in financial services industry. So that was six years ago. Second thing that happened at that time was uh, back office technology was not getting any attention. Uh, In fact, that was the main idea when we started. I said, well, if nobody else is paying attention to this area of hedge fund operations, uh, we can. And uh, 
so that's how we actually got started to really clarify what this means you know first thing you mentioned multi asset class uh, that was uh, you know back then think 6 years 8 years ago and to some extent even now uh, there tends to be a specialization you know you have service providers of products that are built for long short equity funds or credit funds or private equity funds um in the end it you know you can aggregate everything or create one solution that covers the buy side fund management in general uh now of course there is a lot of progress uh, that's done um, i see many other solutions that have come out and the they have made things better uh, so rather than uh, limiting the fund managers in what they could do or having to work with multiple systems uh, if they wanted to have some private equity investment along with their long short equity fund uh, even a little bit of bitcoin or digital asset uh, it's not a limitation anymore at least not that big of a limitation If I could just stop you there for one second, Nilesh. Um, you talk about the cloud and services yes. of the cloud and technology around the cloud. So, mm-hmm. for um, like the non-tech people who will be listening to this um, podcast today, what do you mean by the move to the cloud? Because we talked about this in terms of uh, you know the background to what's been happening across the ecosystem. many more fund managers are moving to the cloud and many more businesses are moving to the cloud for those who would not be of a technological persuasion what do we mean by that question 1 the second question would be what is your sense of that transition in terms of the industry before the pandemic using the cloud and the industry now using the cloud definitely so cloud you know if you think about it you know 10 years ago or 15 years ago you could still access your emails online you went to a website and you could open your gmail account there and use that gmail account online anywhere uh so think of that as cloud except that it was only limited to email access or some very limited task uh but the service provider or the product that was provided by whoever the company was Let's say Google. Uh, they had their own web servers. They had their own data centers, and they controlled everything. They managed everything, and they can still do it. Uh, however, the same power now is available to anyone. So our company that started six years ago using cloud made a difference, uh, and and I'll tell you what's the difference: cloud versus non-cloud here. we keep the database as well as the uh technology think of software and hardware uh that we are not touching we are not seeing it's all sitting somewhere in let's say arizona or virginia or a cloud data center that's provided by a cloud vendor uh the difference is now they are maintaining the data centers and um and we just have to buy a piece of it and we can scale up or down as needed so uh, any disaster recovery uh, procedures or controls or plans uh, 
that part is eliminated. Uh, it gives us flexibility. Uh, you know, if our business went, let's say, hundred times in five years, uh, we did were not worried about the technological assets to scale accordingly uh, or discarding uh, the you know not so useful assets anymore. Um, so it's really you know it's the same concept that as opposed to owning the data center, it's the uh, fractional ownership of a data center or lease of a data center uh, on a pay-as-you-go basis. Um, that's more hardware uh, sort of concept. Uh, the bigger benefit that happens with cloud, one is, of course, scaling or flexibility. Um, but the other thing is that there are so many tools and so many uh, features that come with cloud technology that make it easier to integrate with the whole ecosystem uh, that otherwise would not be possible if we had our own data center and physically managing the assets. You, you mentioned before that there was some hesitancy around the adoption of cloud. And, you know, I think it's, it's important to state that, you know, sort of cloud is, is the vehicle rather than the destination. And the, the, talking about the tools that fund managers and, uh, well, you know, firms across the industry really are adopting in the digital sense, it's not that the, the cloud facilitates it, but the cloud is not necessarily the tools in, 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 in and of themselves. And, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But when we talk about the hesitancy and how that's changed, as, you know, as Tom mentioned, COVID is, seems to be an accelerator in the trend that, that may have been happening for sort of six to 10 years at least. And, and, and is that change in mentality just coming from... Um, people becoming more comfortable over time. Obviously, the technology continues to become more sophisticated. Cybersecurity is a real concern. You know, we hear that every time we speak to our manager members that, you know, as people move into more digital sphere, the increase in demand on, on cybersecurity obviously goes in tandem with that. So, so how have people's perceptions evolved, really, is, is what I'm asking. Is it, is it just been time or is people becoming more sophisticated in their understanding of these tools? Yes, so there is uh, definitely, a, I'll say, 180-degree shift uh, in the thought process uh, around cloud technology, especially for hedge funds. So just maybe five years ago, my conversations uh, were fund, with fund managers or their CFOs or CEOs were along the lines, oh, um, we can think about something like this in reference to our technology if you could do it on-premise. And I said, no, it's cloud, it's better. They said, no, it's it's not secure. I was like, how do you know it's not secure? But let's talk about security. But there was a lot of fear. And it's really the fear of unknown, that since we don't know cloud, we don't understand cloud or technology, uh, we are not going to take chances. COVID created the necessity for cloud. So I think just you know one, maybe two weeks ago, I was reading uh, a study, uh, an article, uh, and it said that the fund managers or investors now demand that the service providers use cloud technology and they favor those with cloud technology. So that's really a big shift that has happened, but it started with lack of familiarity or lack of knowledge. And frankly, that has not gone away. It's just that the level of comfort is there. Um, there's still a lot of work that needs uh, to be done uh, in terms of 
education or understanding what cloud is or really around cyber security uh, you know one area i i think it's still missing or it's still pretty weak in terms of cyber security is it's still pretty much questionnaire based people think that you know, if we are on aws then aws is taking care of uh, security or azure is taking care of security uh, but it's a lot more than uh, that the managers need to know what the right questions should be and then what should be the right answers and how they can uh, satisfy themselves uh, around security uh, but i think it's happening right it's slowly now it's a necessity investors are not uh, penalizing managers because uh, they are going for cloud in fact they are rewarding so uh, overall i think it's a uh, positive sign and i see that you know time to time i hear news about some big organization or other fund administrator migrating to one or the other cloud technology so i think it's uh, it's happening and we are not too far from having almost 100% adoption here is cost a prohibitive factor in any way at all when you think about um transitioning to the cloud is there an initial sunk cost there or could you, is it fair to describe it that way give us a sense of what's happening there in terms of how firms might evaluate making that move to the cloud so cloud really uh, you know if you think about it from adoption or what prevents this from happening it's really legacy so how much of legacy technology database or asset uh, is already there so somebody who has already created a data center and then migrating everything and to cloud and start paying somebody else or public or private cloud vendor uh, they might migrate but they, their investment number one is sunk cost but then the challenges could be seen as a downside that practically everything that was built around physical infrastructure is really not useful in cloud infrastructure so you end up reconnecting everything you end up essentially rebuilding the whole uh, infrastructure so people think that you simply take your database you take your applications and now just save it in a, on a different server and your migration is done that's not how it is a cloud is internet based so everything that's running has to become internet enabled it has to work with internet and communicate even between uh, cloud to cloud channels via internet which is not the requirement if you have everything uh, on premise so so there is the this requirement or debt i should say um, which creates the upfront cost of migration in terms of this project cost is the, although i don't think it's prohibitive but it's one of the factor Uh, starting with cloud is the cheapest uh, way to start depending upon how much of uh, technical debt you already have but ongoing cost actually is not that bad uh, and the reason although uh, it can be higher than physical infrastructure because now you don't own it you are leasing it if you are just sticking to same server size for 5 years then cloud is more expensive however you can use that flexibility to scale up down uh then cloud is a lot cheaper because the same assets can be used more efficiently in terms of you know which hours to use those assets so uh, in many cases including our own business our usage of infrastructure varies during the day so within 24 hour time there could be some hours where we may be running x dollars per hour cost 
at a different point of time, 12 hours later, we could be spending 10x. Um, so that flexibility creates the saving overall. But it's really, you know, the ability to connect to external systems is where the invisible savings happen, uh, where you don't have to buy everything uh, and own everything. So let's shift gears and, and, and just talk about some of the practical uh, implications of, of what all this technology can really enable uh, when we're talking about the back office for fund managers. And a large part of that process will be dealing with investors, obviously, and maybe prospects as well, and the onboarding process, which is a hugely burdensome and administrative process, especially when you're dealing with larger institutions, which will have all sorts of heaps of paperwork and questionnaires and, uh, you know, ESG compliance. And, and, and there's just really, you cannot uh, oversell um, how much of a, of a process, process that can require. And this shift to digital and, and the flexibility and the reduction of costs in theory, maybe that cloud uh, and some of these other solutions allow are potentially quite revolutionary to this process. Could you just just help us understand a little bit in in sort of in sort of core practical terms where we were and where we are now in terms of how things have changed to become more streamlined? Um, maybe just taking sort of the investor relations function as an example. Yes, definitely. So, uh, and cloud is probably a big contributor to this uh, or technology in general. Think that a lot of data aggregation, since it's not on paper, uh, whether it's investor relations or subscriptions or questionnaires, it can be done electronically. And what it does is just think that a lot of data can be aggregated and it can be shared. In, in a world of on-site infrastructure, you could not really share what you have. Uh, as opposed to a SaaS solution or a cloud solution allows you, uh, you to have data that can be accessed by different parties uh, sitting in different offices and working only on their part. You know, if you at a basic minimum, if you think of uh, Microsoft Office, uh, you could have a shareable Excel file or Word file now uh, using uh, Microsoft Cloud. You know, multiple users can access at the same time and uh, work on their parts which is the same thing that now can be done with, let's say, an investor's subscription agreement. Uh, I'm just using that as an example here, where a financial advisor can fill the application, the investor or uh, end customer can review the application, sign it, upload some documents uh, that respective parties have. Same document is then shared with the fund manager and fund administrator. They all do their part. And rather than circulating a paper copy or a scanned document, this is one document that's sitting in cloud, accessible to multiple parties, cutting down significant uh, significant amount of time, uh, money, and effort to get one transaction done. Uh, so, what could be you know, six to eight hours of uh, work in you know five-year-old world today, it has come down to let's say one hour. But that's stage one. Stage two is because it's the same document and now it's connected to a database, the information gets stored, which connects to other cloud-based solutions uh, or electronic systems. Uh, the AML, KYC, and uh, other things that need to be done in terms of processing of that transaction, that can be automated. Uh, you even hear uh, solutions that are uh, doing video 
uh, verification of investors, right? Simple verification of OFAC checks or all the sanctions databases or uh, address proof, date of birth proof, tax ID proof, so many other things have become so easier that it doesn't even take one click of a button. It's just a constant streaming of uh, data that can process these transactions. That's part two where, uh, you know, it's not just that transaction or document that's streamlined, but everything that revolves around that transaction or document uh, is also easier and cheaper. The AMAN Next Generation Manager Forum 2022 returns in person for its ninth year on Thursday the 26th of May at the Sofitel London St. James Hotel. The forum provides a platform for the exchange of ideas and the development of peer networking for senior individuals at emerging alternative asset management businesses. Throughout the afternoon, discussions will focus on how to keep on top of regulatory requirements, digitalization to streamline and cut costs, asset raising, and speakers will share practical ideas and guidance on how to successfully start and manage an alternative asset management firm. Register today on the AMA website to hear the discussions, network with peers, and to join the evening drinks reception. We hope to see you there. So it sounds like there's benefits on, on both sides, but just focusing on the manager side for a, for a moment, the, the IR function has run a certain way and in some ways is very administrative, but in other ways is a very um, uh, relationship-driven business and a, and a large part of the value add for, for the people in those functions are their relationships and then... Uh, having you know flying around the world and having those personal connections so so as this standardization sort of creeps into the industry how will that affect the standard management of that function and then do you see uh, sort of the need for uh, maybe less people on the administrative side of the IR function will there still always be a need for that that human relations as well because I imagine you know, as good as video conferences and, and meetings are now, there will always still be some need for human interaction. What would what, what you sort of say to that? Definitely, yes. But there is a, a part that is no. So the administrative side uh, of this IR function, that is something that's uh, getting digitized because nobody wants to spend that time, not only the uh, IR staff, of a fund manager, but also the investor or allocators, they don't want their back office staff to constantly fill the same paperwork over and over um, because they also want the efficiency. So the part which is purely repetitive task, uh, that gets eliminated. Uh, And truth at the moment is a lot of communication that happens between the uh, investors or LPs and the fund managers it's administrative in nature, uh, you know, checking on statements, timings, audit confirmations, follow-ups or uh, status exchanges around funding or document receipt and things like those. So if all of that gets eliminated, the repetitive task of filling the paperwork is eliminated 99%, if not 100 then the true relationship management task is left. So now the same IR person can engage more meaningfully with the investors, talk about risk management, talk about strategy, markets, their thesis of the market, precisely what their product is or should be, uh, rather than 
working with them, you know, where is my statement? I think in that way, uh, the value of investor relations department in any hedge fund manager organization really goes up because now they are spending their time in a more fruitful discussion. Uh, does it lead to any cut down of cost? Probably yes in a long term, but I think in short run, it's the, it's more value that they are getting out of it. Um, having more information uh, at the fingertips of the IR staff, they can see you know, in systems like these, what the balances are, what the investor has done with them in terms of transactions or investments, uh, how the I, uh, IR staff can prioritize different investors in different communications, things like those. Uh, and Nilesh, um, we've done some research over the last um, two years or so, thinking about the manager-investor relationship and um, how it has evolved in terms of onboarding mm-hmm. a new investment. And what has become clear to us is, um, through the various research that we've done, is the um, the greater influence of virtual technology on this process and to the extent that it has leveled the playing field for investors um, with having greater due diligence in that virtual setting and greater acceptance around that. Would you concur with that? Has that made things more efficient as well, the onboarding of new investment? Definitely. That is, I think, the next big area uh, where a lot of technologies are coming in, a lot of solutions are coming in. Investors are comfortable. It's the they were, I, I can say they were pushed to be comfortable here. Um, they had no choice during uh, COVID period. You know, either you don't do the transaction or you do it electronically because nobody was signing in ink or printing papers and sending them by courier. From bigger institutions to high net worth individual and everything in between, uh, everybody had to get comfortable with a sort of uh, electronic transaction uh, system whether it, uh, it was done and, you know, at a basic minimum docu-sign or in a more substantial process or system where you, know, you do the whole transaction or profile creation and uh, everything else online. Even regulators, uh, you know, I can say that they got comfortable. A lot of things that they expected on paper, I know in case of U.S., SEC relaxed some of those requirements. They don't have to be on paper and electronic was acceptable. So I think it's that shift has happened and COVID was a big reason that accelerated this trend. And that's actually really interesting. So so will the regulators make that shift permanently? Are you, or do we know? Is that that um, relaxation, will, will that sort of pivot back as hopefully the world returns to normal soon? No, I don't think so. It's, uh, you know, we all know that once uh, it, it's very difficult to take something back. I think everybody is comfortable, including regulators. Uh, and I don't think anybody is going back, even regulators, uh, security regulators or tax authorities or uh, other state or national uh, government offices. I think they are all getting comfortable with uh, electronic transmission of data and documents. So uh, because it makes their job easier too, right? Uh, why will they want to process on paper? If I may ask you uh, to get your observation on the ecosystem, we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, Nilesh, um, and is this sense that um, you described to us where the the ecosystem has greater influence now 
um, around the funds industry um, and you're seeing more of uh, involvement on the behalf of, of service providers, whether it's supporting the operations more uh, through greater outsourcing uh, to third parties. And included in that would be the different types of solutions that are available now to fund managers. And you mentioned cyber being part of that. Um, and what we heard about certainly throughout COVID was that managers were becoming more aware of, of this. But are, are service providers now standing up and helping managers with all of their needs when it comes to um, security around cyber and, and, and securing data in general? You know, that's a difficult question to answer. Uh, in general, I will say yes. Um, but it's, it's getting more complex. And the, it's meaning this whole cyber security part of it or uh, going digital or electronic part of it. Meaning it's getting concentrated towards the top, I should say. The bigger companies or uh, other companies that are using technology or that understand technology, um, they are definitely making a push. Um, and they are delivering. So, and I won't say it's just us. There are many other uh, fund administrators or other uh, service providers that are making similar push, but it's not everywhere. And the, so on that side, there is some maybe reluctance on the fund service provider side, uh, but the outsourcing is definitely, uh, again, uh, as a product of COVID or pandemic, the fund managers were, are seeking more solutions, are seeking ways to specialize. So it's not really outsourcing for the sake of outsourcing. Uh, one other thing that happened during last two years was you all probably heard the great resignation. So how do you get the job done? And so not only technology, but it also created a bigger ecosystem, a more global ecosystem where you know your auditors don't have to be local anymore. Your administrators don't have to be local anymore. Technology doesn't have to be in the office. Uh, so if you think about it, it's the, the change or shift that's happening within the ecosystem is that it's becoming more widespread, both in terms of uh, geography and the technology. And, and when we talk about how the the industry is is expanding, part of that comes from new entrants in the digital asset space. And when I say that, I mean both traditional hedge funds that are uh, branching off into this new asset class, and also um, digital asset focused funds launching uh, organically. Obviously, a huge part of your offering is is aimed at uh, at those uh, market constituents, and I just wondered whether, oh, this is just sort of my own, you know, perception that, that, that uh, if you're involved in digital assets, then you're probably more tech savvy to some extent than than maybe uh, a hedge fund that's been around sort of five, ten, twenty years. Are they uh, are are digital asset funds more engaged, and are you seeing any differences in the demand for the types of services in terms of what they're willing to, to put out to service providers? And, and just generally, is there, are you able to sort of bucket them separately? So pure digital asset funds or products, definitely at this time, you can bucket them separately. But that's a very small bucket. Uh, the 
bigger push will you know come from the traditional finance space uh, that's my belief uh, but what the current uh, or the smaller bucket of uh, digital asset fund managers what they have created is this push uh, or direction towards this uh, intermediation now it's a bit of an abstract thought but if you had to summarize our whole conversation so far or where i think things will go and we may be five years uh, too early at the moment but that's where i feel the industry or buy side fund management is moving disintermediation uh, if we don't have to be in the middle then we should not be uh, as fund administrator let technology take over or let the technology take care of as much as possible and the uh, digital asset funds or the whole concept uh, understands that and the those fund managers are comfortable with this sort of disintermediation uh, they don't expect too many people uh, uh, in the process and the, that's pulling uh, the traditional finance towards it and it's making traditional fund managers or long short fund managers or credit fund managers towards this digitization or more tech heavy operational setup because they can now see that you know if we digital asset funds can do it then we can do it too so you know just for comparison coinbase uh, coinbase has less than 4000 employees and 8 billion dollars in revenue cme group has 5000 employees and 5 billion dollars in revenue so if you look at per employee revenue uh, the digital asset side is delivering twice as much value so um, and that's just on revenue if you look at net profits the story is uh, even different because uh, of the profitability that can be delivered with uh, the sort of disintermediation and i think this is where everybody will start benchmarking um, whether it's service providers uh, or fund managers even investors where they they will think it's normal there should be a component and eventually the whole Uh, think becoming digital or disintermediated product so you pay for infrastructure but not really for arbiters in between that's really interesting so so just to make sure i've got this correctly this sort of perfectly dovetails with what you described earlier around cloud in the way that uh, resistance to uh, cloud based solutions gave way to a preference for cloud based solutions as uh understanding became more sophisticated i think you said fear of the unknown and as that dwindled then uh people ended up rewarding those solutions and and so it's it's fair to say that in the same way the natural progression of technology will uh push the the frontier further when we talk about ir and and other areas of operations so so just to sort of uh to to conclude on this then is there really Uh, a limit would you say is is there do you say still a lot of headroom to go for the industry as a whole uh, i'm obviously asking you to generalize but do you see a a significant shift over the let's say the next 5 years oh yes uh, and i feel that it's too early today uh, i think we are uh, still 5 years away from uh, having a true system or true value added system in place uh, there is still a lot of noise a lot of wastage in the process that is considered normal today 
that will be eliminated you know, there'll be more in, uh, bigger influx of uh, people that understand newer technology or that are comfortable you know, although i don't want to compartmentalize uh, millennial uh, thought process here that that is what's going to drive here but you can see that as the newer generation or uh, younger folks they become part of the industry uh, they'll bring that level of comfort with them and you know average uh, will go up in terms of uh, adoption of technology which i feel that nobody is opposed to of doing that today uh, however there is still some work that needs to be done you know everything that needs to be built and the whole system needs to be comfortable so service providers are always you know i feel at the forefront of creating products and delivering those then the fund managers they are hopefully going to adopt but due to pandemic they were forced uh, to adopt and now it's really up to the investors that they need to become comfortable they need to become more global in their nature in their understanding uh, because that will create this uh, other layer of growth because you are not limited to investing only in you know, local fund managers in a world 3 years from today or 5 years from today geographical limitation that still there in the minds uh, will go away uh, i feel with technology and that's happening uh, very significantly on digital asset side where most of the funds we work with their investor base is global and we can see uh, that us europe and asia they contribute prominently equally uh, to these funds investor base so i feel that as the traditional hedge funds also uh, start adopting these uh, global or technology solutions then their investors base uh, will also be comfortable uh, going global nilesh this has been fascinating to hear um, your insights as to how the ecosystem is evolving and and servicing the fund industry i know you have done some thought leadership you and your colleagues on your website uh, that website is at w.sudrania.com sudrania.com thank you so much for your time and we look forward to having you back again on the long short and not too distant future thank you definitely thanks for having me here The Long Short was brought to you by AIMA, the Alternative Investment Management Association, the global representative for the alternative investment industry. As always, you can get the latest episodes by subscribing to The Long Short on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, or by streaming episodes directly from our website, aima.org. Thanks for listening.